Chapter 19 One minute, Irons was standing in front of her, staring into her eyes with a terrible, wrenching sorrow. And in the next, he was gone, yanked into the hole in the floor by an arm that she only caught a glimpse of. A muscular, dripping arm with foot-long claws. It whipped out of sight, taking Irons with it into the darkness below. There was another scream from the creature, a powerful, lusty howl that was matched and then surpassed by the intensity of Iron's terrified shriek. Frozen by the piercing screams, Claire could only listen. Shock and relief and fear for herself battling through her as the horrible cries swept up through the hole, pounding her ears in the cold, dismal dungeon that Irons had created. Until his cries burbled to a stop, only a second or two later, and the slurping, meaty, wet noises began. Claire moved. She skipped at the handgun that Irons had dropped and ran to the table in the middle of the room, not wanting to be grabbed and pulled under like he had. It killed him. It killed him and he was going to kill me. The reality of what had just happened, what would have happened, hit her all at once, turning her limbs to rubber. Claire forced herself a few more steps away from the open pit and collapsed against one sweating stone wall, taking great whooping breaths of bitterly scented air. He had been planning to kill her, but not right away. She'd seen the way his mad gaze had crawled over her body, heard the eager anticipation in his crazy laugh. There was a low, grunting sound from the corner, a bestial sound, the growl of a well-fed lion. Claire turned, raised the heavy gun, astounded that she could feel any more horror. And something burst up from the hole, something with flailing arms, and Claire fired, the shot going wide, the glass bottle on the shelf exploded as the thing hit the floor. And it was Irons. But only half of him. He had been nearly bisected. Cut in two by the thing that had snatched him. Everything below the fleshy waist was gone. Trails of torn skin and muscle hanging down over the oozing pool of blood that had replaced his legs. Claire backed towards the door. The weapon still trained in the opening. And heard the creature, the monster, scream again. An echoing howl that faded away falling away into some distance that she couldn't imagine. One second later, she couldn't hear it at all. It was gone. Sherry's monster. That was Sherry's monster. She edged slowly towards the mangled corpse of two irons, towards the empty, yawning blackness of the hall. But it wasn't all blackness. She could see light fluttering up from somewhere, enough to see that there was another floor below. What looked like the metal grid of a catwalk and a ladder leading to it. A sub-basement. A way out? She stepped back from the opening, her thoughts racing and disorganised, trying to absorb the information along with what Irons had told her. Chris wasn't in Raccoon. The stars were gone. A wonderful, terrible relief. Because it meant he was safe. But it also... But also that he wasn't about to come running in to save the day. There had been a spill at Umbrella which explained the zombies, at least. But what he'd said about Birkin, about Birkin's virus, was that Sherry's father? And maybe the zombies were the result of some laboratory incident, but what about all the other things? Mr. X and the Inside Out Men? The way Irons had ranted about Umbrella suggested that, while the accident was expected, the pharmaceutical company wasn't some innocent victim. What had he called it? T-virus, she said softly shivered. There was Birkin's new virus, 
And then there was the T-virus. The zombie disease had a name. You didn't name something unless you knew something about what it was. Which meant... Which meant she didn't know what it meant. All she knew was that she and Sherry needed to get out of Raccoon. And the sub-basement might be away. It wasn't a dead end. The monster that killed Irons had gone somewhere. And do you really want to follow it? With Sherry? It could come back. And if it actually is looking for her? Not a happy thought. But then, neither was hitting the streets. And the station was already crawling with god knows what other creatures. Claire checked the clip of the weapons Irons had held on her, counting 17 bullets. Not enough to space off with the things in the station, but maybe enough to keep her monster at bay. It was a chance, but she was willing to take it. Claire took a deep breath, blowing it out slowly, collecting herself. She needed to keep it together, for Sherry's sake if not her own. She turned, looking down at the mangled remains of the police chief. It was a terrible way to have died, but she couldn't find it in herself to feel sorry. He'd been ready to assault and torture her. He had laughed when she'd pleaded for her life and now he was dead. She wasn't happy about it, but she wasn't going to shed any tears either. Her only feeling about it was that she should cover him up before she brought Sherry down with her. The girl had seen enough violence for one lifetime. You and me both, kiddo, Claire thought tiredly and started to look around for something to drape over the dead chief irons. Leon caught up to her in the cold industrial hallway that led to the sewer entrance, a few steps up from the flooded sub-basement. She'd run ahead to plant the keys that would get them into the sewers, not wanting to have to explain how she'd come by them. She'd just managed to toss them into the boiler room before his footstep had sounded on the metal steps behind her. <sighs> At least I don't have to fake being out of breath. Ada could see by the look on his face that she needed to smooth things over. She started talking the second he stepped into the shadowy corridor. I'm sorry I ran, she said, offering him a nervous smile. I hate spiders. Leon frowned, studying her, and looking into his searching blue gaze, Ada realised she was going to have to do better than that. She took a step closer to him, not close enough to be invasive, but enough so that he could feel the heat of her body. Maintaining eye contact, she tilted her head back to emphasise the height difference between them. It was a little thing, but in her experience, men generally responded well to the little things. I guess I'm just in a hurry to get out of here, she said quietly, losing the smile. I hope I didn't worry you. He dropped his gaze, but not before she saw a flick of interest, confused and self-conscious, but definitely interest, which made it all the more surprising when he stepped away. Well, you did. Don't do it again, okay? I may not be much of a cop, but I'm trying. And God only knows what we're going to run into down here. He met her gaze again, speaking softly. I came here with you because I want to help. I want to do my job. And I can't do that if you go charging ahead. Besides, he added, smiling a little, if you run off, who's going to help me? It was Ada's turn to look away. Leon was playing it straight with her, openly admitting to his fears. And his response to her not-so-subtle flirtation had been to step back and tell her that he wanted to be a good cop. Interested, but not a fool for his tool. And mad enough to tell me he's unsure of his abilities. She was forced to smile back, but it was a shaky affair. I'll do my best, she said. Leon nodded and turned to inspect the hallway, letting the conversation drop, much to Ada's relief. She wasn't sure what she thought of him. 
Vert was uncomfortably aware that her respect for him was growing. Not a good thing, considering the circumstances. There wasn't much to see in the damp, poorly lit hall. Two doorways and a dead end. The boiler room, where she touched the keys, or plugs, rather, was directly in front of them. The sewer disposal entrance in a back corner, according to the sign on the wall, and the other door opened into a storage closet. Ada followed as Leon walked to the closest of the two doors, the storage room, hanging back as he pushed it open with his magnum and stepped inside. Boxes, a table, a trunk, nothing important, but at least no creepy crawlies. After a quick search, he stepped back into the hall and they moved towards the boiler room. How'd you learn to shoot like that, anyway? Leon asked as they stopped in front of the door. His tone was casual, but she thought she detected more than a casual curiosity. You're pretty good. Were you in the military or something? <laughs> nice try, officer. Ada smiled, falling into her carefully rehearsed character. Painful, believe it or not. I mean, I went target shooting some when I was a teenager, with my uncle, but never got into it much. And then a few years ago, a friend at work, we're both buyers in an art gallery in New York, dragged me to one of those weekend survival retreats. <laughs> we had a blast. You know, hiking, rock climbing, stuff like that. And paintball. It's great, we go up every couple of months. Although, I never thought I'd have to use it for real. She could actually see him buy it. See that he wanted to buy it. He probably answered a few questions that he'd been hesitant to ask. Well, you're better than a lot of the guys I graduated the academy with. Really? So, you ready to get on with this? Hayden nodded. Leanne pushed the door to the boiler room open, scanning the ancient, rusting machinery in the wide, empty space before ushering her inside. She made a point of not looking down, wanting Leon to find the small wrapped package that she tossed in a few moments earlier. She hadn't got a good look before. The room, shaped like a sideways H, was fitted with corroded railings and two massive old boilers, one on either side. Fluorescent lights sputtered overhead, the few that still worked casting strange shadows across the metal pipes that ran down the watermarked walls. The door that led into the sewer system was in the far left corner, a heavy-looking hatch next to an inset panel. Hey! Leon crouched down, picking up the bundle of plugs that would open the hatch. Looks like somebody dropped something. Before Ada could go through a charade of asking what he'd found, she heard a noise. A soft, slithery noise, coming from the area in the right back corner, neatly blocked from view with one of the boilers. Leon heard it too. He stood up quickly, dropping the bundle and raising the shotgun. Ada pointed her beretta towards the sound, remembering how the door had been slightly ajar when she'd come up from the sub-basement. Oh, hell. The implant. She knew it before it even crawled into sight, and was shocked anyway. The little bugger had grown, and it had grown fast, easily twenty times its former size in half as many minutes. And it was still growing, apparently at an exponential rate. In the few seconds it took for the creature to move into the middle of the room, it went from the size of a small dog to the size and bulk of a ten-year-old child. The shape had changed, was changing too. It was no longer the alien tadpole that chewed its way out of Bertolucci. The tail was gone, and the creature that had inched its way across the rusting floor had developed limbs, stretching arms folding out of its rubbery flesh. Claws popped out of its tan and swimming skin that swirled over its body, accompanied by a sound like gristle being punctured. Muscular legs unfurled, liquid that snapped into sinewy shape as its stuttering crawl became a smoother, almost feline. The shotgun and the bretta sounded at the same time. A string of massive blast peppered the higher wine of the 9mm. 
The creature was still shifting, standing, mutating into a humanoid shape, and its response to the booming shots that smacked into its twisting flesh was to open its mouth and vomit. A grunting projectile scream of rotten grain bile that hit the floor and started moving. The stream that gushed from its wide, flat face was alive, and the dozen or so crab-like creatures that tumbled out of the monster's gaping mouth like liquid seemed to know exactly where the threat was to their fetid, mutant womb. The skittering, multi-legged animals swarmed towards Ada and Leon in a silent wave as the implant monster took one massive step forward, pulsing cords standing out on its impossibly long, thick neck. Leon had the heavy firepower. Got him, Ada shouted, already targeting and shooting the closest of the tiny, bilious green crabs. They were fast, but she was faster. She pointed and squeezed, pointed and squeezed, and the baby monsters exploded into small fountains of dark, Icarus fluid, dying as silently as they'd come. Leon blasted again and again and again with the shotgun, but Ada couldn't spare a glance to see how he was faring with the mother beast. Five of the crawling babies left, three more rounds, and she'd be dry. And she heard the shotgun clatter to the floor, heard the deep but less powerful fire of the fifty-eight ye rounds resounding through the metal room as she picked off two more of the spidering creatures, and her weapon clicked empty. Without stopping to think, Ada let go of the Beretta and dropped to the floor. She grabbed the shotgun by the barrel, rolled up into a crouch beneath Leon's line of fire, and swung the weapon down. Hard. Two of the mutant animals were smashed into goo by the heavy stock. But the third, the last of them, sprang forward in an unexpected burst of speed, and landed on her thigh, catching hold of the needle-sharp claws. Ada dropped the shotgun, crying out as the animal scuttled up her leg, the warm, damp weight of it making her frantic with disgust. Off! Get it off! She fell backwards, slapping at the creature that had already reached her shoulder, and was skittering towards her face, towards her mouth. And then Leon was grabbing her, roughly pulling her up with one hand, as he snatched the animal with the other. Ada stumbled against him, clutching at his waist to keep from falling. The bug clung tenaciously to the tight fabric of her dress, but Leon had a good grip. He tore it away, shouting as he flung the flailing thing across the room. The magnum. The weapon was stuck in Leon's belt. Ada jerked it free, saw the creature land near the giant, motionless heap that had birthed it, blasted to death by Leon, and fired. Managing to get a clean shot despite how off-balance she was, how deeply unnerved she was by how close she'd become into being implanted. The heavy round clanged against the floor, rust chips spluttering up, and the creature was blown into an ugly stain against the black wall, obliterated. Nothing moved, and the two of them just stood for a moment, leaning against each other like survivors of some terrible sudden accident, which, in a way, they were. The entire firefight had taken place in less than a minute, and they had come out unscathed. But Ada wasn't going to kid herself about how close it had been, or what they had just managed to destroy. G-Virus. She was sure of it. The T-Virus couldn't have created such a complicated creature. Not without a team of surgeons. And they'd seen it growing. How big, how powerful would the creature have become if they hadn't walked in when they had? The beast might have been some early G-strain experiment, but what if it had been the result of a leak? What if there were more of them? The sewers, the factory, the underground levels. Dark, shadowy places. Secret places where anything could be growing. Whatever the situation, the trip to the labs wasn't looking like a cakewalk anymore, and Ada was suddenly very glad that Leon had decided to come along. Since he was so goddamn insistent on going first, if something attacked, she'd have a better chance of surviving. 
Are you okay? Did it hurt you? Leon, while I'm still supporting her, looked into her eyes with heartfelt concern. Eddie realised that she could smell him. A clean, soapy smell, and pushed herself away. She handed the magnum back to him and straightened her dress, studiously expecting it for rips and to avoid looking at him. Thanks, I'm fine. Don't sweat it. It came out harsher than she meant it to, but she was rattled, and not just by the implant's vicious attack. She glanced at him, and wasn't sure how to feel when she saw her response had caught him off guard. He blinked slowly, and a kind of coolness settled into his gaze, indicating a strength of character that she hadn't bothered to give him credit for. Paintball, huh? He said mildly, and without another word, he turned to pick up the package she planted. Hader stared after him, telling herself how absolutely ridiculous it was to care for what he thought of her. They were about to embark on a journey in which she might have to desert him, or to watch him sacrifice his life in order to save her own. I'll kill him myself. Let's not forget that, friends and neighbours. So who gives a shit if he thinks I'm an ungrateful bitch? Straight up, she should thank him for reminding her. Hader stooped down to retrieve the shotgun, feeling like she needed to do a better job of keeping her priorities straight and feeling an emptiness inside that she hadn't noticed in a long, long time.